0: over you ever hear the tragedy of Darth Plagueis the White? Darth Plagueis, the dark lord of the Sith,
1: so powerful and so wise, he could use the Force to influence the mighty Chlorians to create... Yep. Together we can rule the
2: galaxy as father and son. You may want to rule as father and son, but this here is no place for a battle. This is the Dark Side. This is Sith talk. Everything is proceeding as I have
0: foreseen. <laughs> <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, rebel scum and loyal to the Empire, this is Sith Talk, the show where we talk all things Star Wars, Star Wars news, Star Wars TV, Star Wars comics, the shows and everything else in between. I am your host, Zach Chrisman, aka the Lord of Lore, and we have Balance Brandon with us today and a special guest, and I gotta introduce her, the Lady of Lore. Lindsay, guys, how are you doing? We'll start with Lindsay.
1: I am doing pretty swell. I'm happy to be back back at home here on Sit Talk. And I'm happy that I feel like I did kind of get the better of the two uh, nicknames <laughs> that are given as, as nice as uh, Balanced Brandon is and as accurate as it is. I feel like I kind of came out on top of the nickname game.
0: Hey, we're, it's still a, it's still in the the works. We're gonna come up with we're something else at some yeah. point. Yeah, we're workshopping. Brandon, how you doing, man? The Bend- I am the Bendu.
2: Ooh. You shall refer to me as the Bendu okay. from now on. Okay, okay. I am the one in the middle. I am the one in the middle. No, I'm good, man. I'm I'm uh, obviously excited to be back on Sith Talk and, uh, dude, our fundraiser is going amazingly. I'm looking at it right now at the time of recording, and we are at. Uh, fourteen thirty-five, one thousand four hundred and thirty-five dollars. So under six hundred dollars to go till our two thousand dollar goal. So, uh, if you are listening to this on the day of its release or the weekend of its release, uh, you still have time. Get in there and and go get some kids some books because books are important, and then you can Mm -hmm. win cool stuff. Yeah. So go. Uh, go.rallyup.com slash dot com Yeah, and I, I still
0: like, honestly, if, if you are on the fence, I, I gotta say again. I said it last time, I'll say it again. Those prizes are no joke. I mean, there's a lot of stuff that... Actually, pretty much all the stuff that I would want in my basement. And I don't even have room for it at this point. Um, so if you guys haven't checked it out, definitely go check it out because it's super awesome. Guys, I would what what's what's been going on life good everything everything's going great everybody's happy busy stressed out what are we doing we yes (laughs) all All of the above yeah
2: yeah this 2022 we're we are just we are we're not gonna say we're thriving but it you know the shit hasn't hit the fan quite yet it's not quite that yeah i feel
1: like i'm hoping my shit kind of has hit the fan (laughs) <laughs> I, 12
2: days in yeah, 2022 I mean, I, is over I, We're say, it. I
1: hate to bring up the C word but I mean let's talk about COVID um, every single person I know has had it for the past week and a half or so and unfortunately just I'm not getting it I feel fine I am fine I have tested negative multiple times but it's like my so so let me think about this um let's see my boyfriend had it and i was taking care of him his brother and his brother's girlfriend who he lives with had it and i was with them my sister and her her at the time girlfriend but as of like yesterday now ex-girlfriend had it and i was in the car with them for like two hours so everyone i know has had it and i'm the one who's here nice and healthy and taking care of everyone and I'm like, I just want to get it so I can get it over with and feel like I I can get on with my life because I already had it. But instead, I'm just sitting here not doing anything or not seeing anyone now because I'm so afraid of get of not even so much getting it, but giving it to someone else. So I'm like, I just I just want to get this and get it over with, and then a week later be fine. But instead, I'm just the past week and a half kind of. Being, cooped up all alone with no one to see or nothing to do other than take care of sick people.
2: See, I I haven't figured out how I haven't gotten any strain of it yet. Because, like, I've lived with people who have had COVID in the same house as me that I quarantined with while they had COVID. I am around a bunch of kids all day who don't wear their masks. I, like, and I'm, you know, I'm in Texas. So, you know, uh, that explains yeah, a lot are, in brother. and of itself. But, um, like, honestly, I don't know what it is. I'm not, I'm not going to say I'm in the camp with you, Lindsay. I do not want to get it, even just to get it over with. I'm I'm cool with, like, just not getting it all together. Um, but I don't know... Like, what mortise gods I prayed to under the right, like, moon, whatever happened for me to not have gotten anything unto this point yet. Um, but I am, I'm very, very grateful for that point.
0: Yeah. I mean, like, for me, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of, honestly, I'm, I'm in the Lindsay camp. I'm definitely glad, like, I'm kind of past it because it's just like with Omnicron, you know, y- you don't want anybody. You don't want anybody to really get it, but like for me, the odds of me breezing through it were pretty great. So I was like, everybody around me was getting it, and I was just like, "All right, come on, let me get my wristband so I can keep going." And <laughs> honestly, it—I it, was thankful that it, it just kind of breezed right past me, and we moved on. And as pretty much everybody uh, around me breezed past it, but it's like it's one of those things where everybody was getting it. I was surrounded by it. And now that it's all done, like literally our entire like crew is good. My family's good. good. Like everybody's all good. And like antibodied up ready to go. And now it's just like, ah, oh, there's really not much to worry about. And that feels good.
1: Yeah. So I will say people keep asking me how I avoided it. And I kind of get real cocky in my response. I'm like, <laughs> It's almost like there's something to be said about a healthy diet and regular exercise.
0: Hey, I will, I will double down on that because <laughs> I thought I was immune to COVID. And then, like, honestly, people in my family thought that I was immune because I had been, like, directly e- exposed so many, so many times. Well, the thing that happened was I was hanging out with a buddy who had COVID that we did not know at the time. We were drinking beers for, uh, like, three hours at a time. And then I washed said beers down with Five Guys Burger and Fries. Ooh. And then also stayed up super late watching Spider-Man movies and got, like, five hours of sleep. So I literally did, like, the epic cheat day where, like, you all of your schedule and everything just is utter garbage. Shot, yeah, And it was the one day somebody around me had covid and so my immune system was just like dried <laughs> out there was no no nutrients there whatsoever for it to like fight it off so I was like yeah that's kind of that makes sense it checks out it
1: makes sense
0: <laughs> yeah so guys so there's a lot of awesome star wars coming out lately um, I'm not going to give a review for the fallen star um, but I, I'm, I'm almost done with it has anybody started it while we're here
1: Started, yes.
2: I'm about mm, 10, I 11 chapters I thought you were
1: going to say in. pages. I was like, be at that point, just say no. <laughs>
2: <laughs> no, this is not Ronin. I'm actually making progress I'll be progress honest. I, uh,
0: I decided not to. I mean, I, I decided not to do Ronin. I'm eventually going to get around to it. But it's just every time I started it, I just wasn't in the mood for it. And... I noticed that the moment I had a chance to dig into another High Republic book, no surprise, I immediately just took any opportunity, like I normally do when I'm really excited about a book, and, you know, listen to it as much as I can, drive the car as much as I can, listen to it at the gym, clean my house more, which makes a very happy wife. (laughs) I will say right now that I am very much enjoying the book, and that's all I will say until everybody's done.
2: Well, let's talk real quick about uh, how Phase 2 is happening, because we got this, and we haven't talked about it yet, how Phase 2 Ooh. is going back 150 yeah. years. Yeah. That is intrigued by that. for me.
1: Am I the only one who was really, like, shocked and taken aback by that?
2: Not at all. I okay. feel like... Not that we were, like, sold a bag of rocks or anything like that, but just... That was not what I was expecting, and we didn't get any real indication, at least as far as the time of the Fallen Star. Obviously, maybe there's some stuff in there we haven't gotten to yet as as we're reading through it, but we didn't really get anything that was an indication we would go back in time, let alone back 150 years. Yeah, That's a also, big timeline.
1: It's, it's kind of just why, you know, like what story are they about to tell and set us up?
2: Well, here's a theory that uh, our friends over at Resistance Broadcast put out there that maybe with the Acolyte being kind of towards the end of the High Republic, that they had to actually call an audible and go back in time to give time for that to come out so that they didn't box in the creators there. I don't know how much I believe that, but it's interesting. Interesting.
1: I mean, it's, it's a tinfoil hat theory to be sure. Um, not to say it's not credible. It makes sense. My only thought is if that is the case and if that is correct, I hope it's not just that they are going back in time just to give the writers of Acolyte leeway. Um, and, and full disclosure, I think Acolyte is probably the show I'm most excited for coming out. Um, but if if they're going back in time, for the Acolyte, I hope it's not just to give them leeway. I hope it's to set something up where even if you don't read these books, you're still going to enjoy that TV show. But if you do read those books, you're going to enjoy it a hell of a lot more. I than will those say knowing
0: don't. what I know now, and I won't say anything, it does feel more like an audible because I have about four hours left out of 12. So I have like a third left and for them to completely tie up would right now doesn't feel doesn't feel right to me now that if it were my guess and i have no idea cuz i am not even towards the end of the book um i would guess that they're just going to do a pause and then backtrack because they there's a lot of unanswered questions in the high republic so far um, they've been taking their time carefully answering things when needed. Um, but there is still a huge shroud of mystery about, you know, the Nihil and, and Markeon Rose plans and what lineage that they hinted to in the first book that he might be a part of or something. There, there's a lot of shrouds of mystery going on in the High Republic, specifically with just the Nihil alone. Um, and then you have a lot of depth to characters in these books that when they open up the books it starts to feel like a slow burn in the beginning which multiple multiple of our clashing Sabres crew has said that it's you know it starts out really slow because there's so many characters I feel like this might be a pause button and when it comes to acolyte I'm I'm highly doubtful that, They're pausing because of that. Because the Acolyte's description is towards the end of the High Republic. And we still have, like, this starts 200 years before the Battle of Yavin. So we still got, like... I would say, I would imagine 100 years before the events of the Phantom Menace. Which is really when I kind of consider the High Republic to be over?
2: Well, no. I thought uh, High Republic is 200 years before the Phantom. Oh,
0: well, ends. even better. That's what not I'm... Not right, Even yeah, better I mean, than... than yeah. We... yeah.
2: So then we're going back 350 years from there. So we have plenty of time. Like, I'm not in the camp of, uh, you know, High Republic is leading up to Acolyte necessarily. Like, definitely they're connected and the timeline will work and everything like that but I don't I don't think that one that there are enough of the uh casual Star Wars fans who just you know watch the shows enjoy them you know whatever that don't get into the books and stuff that you can't have them needing a crash course in the high republic before the show comes out so it has to be able to stand mm. alone on its own two feet it's not a situation where you can be like, oh, you don't know who Fennec Shand is. If you want to know more about her, like go watch these episodes of Mandalorian. We're talking what what will probably be nine to 12 of just the adult novels but by the time we get to Acolyte. But we've only crossed like a
0: couple months over the last three books.
2: Well, and that's what I find interesting is we have very much a part one, part two, and part three, right? We have Light of the Jedi is the part one, is the act one where things are good and things are, you know, starting to work out but then something bad shakes them out of of that reality then you have the rising storm where things get really bad uh where you know your empire strikes back where tragedy hits and it looks hopeless and then fallen star you know even though we haven't gotten to the end of the book i mean the title is fallen star like it's that tragic fall um there so i'm interested to see like kind of if they keep that same structure as they go back you know into this new phase two is phase two going to have like the three waves and follow the same kind of structure and then what does that lead to after that i just think it's a really interesting way of telling the story i think it was all planned uh i don't think i think maybe tempest runner might have been an audible um just because of what a hit lorna d was and people liking the audios and things like that but overall
0: sorry (laughs)
2: um but the reasoning behind why you set it up here with the books that we have and then you go back 150 years is really intriguing to me it's just really intriguing i don't really have an opinion on it other than hmm
1: i mean again it's it's all kind of too Early to really know for sure right now. I mean, I'm, I'm certainly kind of not confused by all of it, but I think maybe taken aback, I think maybe some of this could just be a really sick game of careful what you wish for, because when when Force Awakens first came out and no one was sure who Rey was, think about it, we were all screaming for more Lore Santeca content mm-hmm. and we were just like i need to know everything i get, can about the santecas and, and this whole family and, and their lineage and where they came from and why they're important and now maybe it's going to be a little bit too deep i wouldn't be surprised if if some of it even just went back to that family and took a deeper dive and and went further back not even so much for the high Re- republic but really i i think a lot of it is going to be more about those very early hyperspace lanes than anything else. And this might be really way more inside baseball than we are hoping for. And it's not going to be so much the great connector. Um, but I think if we're going farther and farther back, this is going to be less and less so for those people who just want to ease into Star Wars. I think this is going to get real inside baseball real quick.
0: Right. But the High Republic naturally, you know, books naturally are inside baseball. I mean, they they hook you. The High Republic is a success because they are doing phase two. That means sales are pretty good. Things are checking out. Disney, uh, Lucasfilm, Marvel Comics, they seem to be doubling down on High Republic, which is a good thing. It means it's successful. I really do like the stories. Um... <clears throat> I yeah, am
1: but not I think, I'm not you even know, let me let me I guess rephrase it not so much inside baseball in a bad way but it's not going to be the gateway kind of drug that let's say a um like a, a Claudia Gray lost stars is where people will read a book like that as their entry point into Star Wars books and just want more and more and more. And I think we're we're thinking of, if it's going back in time, if it's going to be for the Acolyte, people are going to watch the Acolyte and want to know more and dive into these books. I don't think it's going to necessarily have that effect that we would want it to have.
0: Well, here here's my thoughts uh, on The High Republic so far. I have felt like you can dig in to any part of this series at any point in time without getting all of it. I do. Personally, I think that every author explains the backstories of all of these characters very well in a way that if you only read The Rising Storm, you would understand. And I go to Bell. Like, Bell is so good at, like, you get his backstory very early on. You get Elzar's um, confliction very early on. You understand who Stellan is very early on in that book. They, I think they've done a really good job at, as, at explaining their characters early in the novels so that you can adjust to them, just like as if you've only read uh, only one of these novels. If I were to guess, and I'm not hinting because I, I I promise you at this point of the book, there is only the point of the book. They have not answered any mystery, anything right now. If I were to guess, the first book talks about Marcion's... They hint at Marcion's lineage. Marcion. Sorry, I'm used to it. They changed it. Um, <laughs>
1: the great Han Han debate. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um,
0: they hint at Marcion's lineage. And then in the Rising Storm, they hint at his father and his grandfather. Mm-hmm. And you mentioned the opening of the hyperspace lanes. There's a lot of shroud of mystery behind Marcion. I think we're going to get more of that. I think we're going to get more of the Nihil. And the Jedi we do get, it will be very much like if we get Jedi, they stumbled on this and they are not heard of. Or they were not... They 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 died at the end of this or something crazy like... But it's going to be more about the answering the questions of the Nihil and the shroud um, of mystery behind them. And there's some dark forces that are very mysterious going on in the in the high republic which this book does talk about there's they introduce and double down on a very dark force in this book and i think they're going to be alluding to that i think there's a lot of things at play that our characters currently don't understand and so i think phase two will be very much be a pause of either the or and show us the origins or well will show us the origins of the Nihil, Markeon's lineage, and also some of these darker things that are that were going on, and even the gear because they were only gone for a, a short period of time, too. I think there's a lot to get answered because we really only got plot of the story and the characters, and now we need to pause and like kind of do a flashback like we are doing with Boba Fett. I think it's needed. <laughs> but our characters don't necessarily have that information right now and i feel like the writers don't want to just give our characters that they want us to now know it and watch our characters discover it that's that's my theory that's the only thing i have
2: i think it's gonna be interesting to see i mean i'm definitely along for the ride obviously and uh I mean, it's giving Lindsay and I some good Don't Burn the Sacred Text content because we at least know it's going to be a good book. Even if it's not your favorite with the authors that they have, it's going to be a solid story. So the one thing that is hitting for just about everybody now is uh, watch this segue. Book of Boba Fett. (laughs) Hey, yo.
0: I'm going to start with you guys. Guys, what are you thinking so far? I mean, episode specifically on this show, we're doing... Two episodes at a time because we're every other week. So, specifically, episodes two and three, you guys go first.
2: I have so many thoughts. (laughs) Like, as you do, four pages worth of thoughts. But let me start with this one. The idea of monsters is so prominent through these two episodes, and particularly the vacuum of monsters and the things that come to take their place and hidden monsters. So you have like the Rancor, for example, you expect the Rancor uh, to be down there, right? Even though, you know, we know return of the Jedi, you know, Luke kills the Rancor, but if they're sending somebody down there, Oh, Hey, they've replaced the Rancor, but there's not, there's no monster down there. There's not a monster there anymore. And that's very uh, metaphorical for Jabba's power vacuum after, Uh, After his death, right? And then you have spoiler alert the twins, the huts come in, and oh, oh, here's a new monster. But wait, there's another monster behind them, Black Chrysanthemum. And then that monster, where does he end up? He ends up in the Rancor pit. And then a Rancor ends up in the Rancor pit. They're just, every time you turn your head, there's another monster, another threat that you thought you knew the big threat. But you don't know the big threat, and then in, in today's episode, in episode three, uh, they literally were like, uh, "Yeah, you don't know what's coming." The Huts just were like, "Yeah, we're 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 not as bad as we like to think we are. We're uh, dipping out because there's definitely a bigger monster behind us." And the episode ends with the Pikes. That doesn't seem like a big threat to me. Like some droids took them down. Like I like the Pikes; they're fun. They're good characters. I like having more syndicates. I like the synergy there. But it's going to be a hard sell after Solo and Season 7 of Clone Wars to get me to think that the Pikes are what scared the Huts away. What's the monster that's behind it all?
1: I mean, before we even get there, though. I want to talk a little bit more about just the narrative structure of all of this because look, there's there's a I like this show. Let me be very very upfront about that. Anything I say is going to be a little bit biased just because I like this. I like where it's. I like where I think it's headed more than I like it so far. Actually, um, oh, I, what I mean you head- so
0: much. You're so oh, you're just <laughs> keep going. Keep going.
1: So, so I think that to B's point, yeah, there's there's a lot of cool stuff so far, but it's just kind of titillating us enough just enough where we know something good is coming. And I trust John Favreau and I trust the showrunners here enough to think this can't all just be for naught. Because what I mean by that is I love where we're at with all of the for lack of a better term, present day stuff and everything happening on Tatooine with, you know, Fennec and with Boba right now, trying to fill in for the huts, trying to organize their territory, the way they are. And I, I don't even necessarily mind the actual flashbacks and everything that we're seeing with the Tuscan Raiders. I think it's interesting. I think it's going to serve a very big point. What I don't like though is, It feels like we are getting, at least in my opinion right now, again, I like where it's headed. I think I'm going to change my mind where I see when I see where this all pays off. But for episodes two and three, I don't like getting this split where I spend half my time in flashbacks and half in present day, because I feel like I am right now getting two incomplete shows as opposed to one complete show.
2: But see I think that that is kind of ending with episode 3 with
1: uh Yeah, I loved I loved this episode 3 um and how much time we got in the present day and how much it moved the story along um and that's why I'm I'm again trusting that the flashbacks are going to have a very big payoff in the present day time um but but that's kind of my my overall thought for the past 2 weeks is it's just still kind of two incomplete shows. There's so many good things to be said specifically about episode three. Um, but but I'm gonna...
2: Well, I think the big question that was hanging over the show is what's his motivation? It wasn't very clear. Like, he got out of the Sarlacc pit, yes, okay. But why stay on Tatooine? Why become Mill? Why do any of the stuff that he's doing. Um, And I think we at least got part of that motivation with the death of the Tuscans and his his Tuscan tribe being slaughtered by the Nikto uh, uh, biker gang, which I believe is going to be, you know, controlled by somebody, uh, probably controlled, you know, by, I'll just throw it out there, crimson dawn or something like there's there's somebody at play here and i think crimson dawn is kind of the the go-to because it's it makes sense for everything and we can go into kind of how they're hinting at solo uh in a little bit a little while but i think we got part of that motivation of something needs to be done about the chaos here um but also i'm noticing this theme and and this could be part of his motivation too, that keeps coming up of abandonment. So we keep getting the flashback to young Boba watching Django leave, right? And that abandonment there. And then he works for Jabba and that ends up with him being abandoned in the Sarlacc pit. And then now, even though it wasn't the fault of the Tuscans because they were, Slaughtered, but he's left alone again, and so is he trying to, trying to find this belonging, trying to find what his real purpose is. Because we got to remember, he is a clone, so and, and not just a clone, but he's as close to a clone of J- or he's as close to Django as you could possibly get. He's an unaltered clone who became a. Bounty Hunter wearing Mandalorian armor. Like, it's to a T what Django became. So I I almost wonder I'm gonna if... I'm going to
1: disagree. No, I'm going to disagree because I don't think this is about him necessarily trying to find belonging and, and why I think that is. If what he's wanted was belonging all this time, I think a young Boba Fett we could have just seen join the clone troopers and, and fought in that war, need Bay. I think there are so many other ways where we've seen time and time again, Boba Fett is not necessarily worried about belonging. The, the kind of resounding theme that sticks out to me here is the theme of respect. And to me, that means not belonging. He seems to not care if he belongs in any specific culture or group. He wants to stand out among it, if anything, because he has such a thirst for respect. I don't think he's looking for a belonging mm. he didn't get. I think he's looking for a respect that he didn't get.
0: I don't think I know what the show wants me to get and I'm <laughs> like like I listen, I I agree with I agree with Lindsay that where it's headed seems great. I think the show is going to get there. The show is clearly um it is more influenced in Westerns than The Mandalorian ever could. And The Mandalorian is very much a Western-style show. This is a cowboy movie or show. This is a cowboy yeah. show. And a lot of cowboy shows, movies, they are slow burns, uh, understanding your hero and what they're up against, what they've been through and their tragedy until everything comes crashing and then it's just... It's a roller coaster ride from there. I think the show will get there, um, but this show for me has really struggled. Why, for me at least, why I need this show? I think there's a million ways we could have went with the with Boba Fett, and I'm not sure that I like this one. And that's kind of surprising because. I was really feeling amped up like at a Motley Crue concert by the end of Mandalorian Season 2 about Boba Fett. And right now, like I said, I think it will get there. So this is all with a grain of salt, really. I think episode three was, like, the worst Star Wars show episode that I've seen. Wow. I hated it. I hated those. I hated the fact that we went to the same... Okay- it's like I'm watching Boba Fett do his fucking errands, and then I'm watching these Power Ranger-colored scooters, and I'm not going to lie, that, that, that racing sequence where they're chasing after uh, the mayor's minion... That was really badly done. That was poorly shot. That was so poorly shot. Like, that was so bad. I've seen speed bikes. Like, that was really bad. I struggle with that. I struggled with this episode so much. And I think it I ended think so well. I think
1: it was well. a bad sequence. I think it was a misplaced sequence. I, think if we I had thought seen the CGI something was like terrible. That, I think if we had seen something like that, say, in the beginning of Solo... Or I I can think of a thousand. We did. And I liked it though. Yeah. But, but I mean like with the, the shiny chrome and, and I don't even know what to call it. It was like the, the grease lightning of star Wars. It's
0: added to the fact that I thought the CGI and the way, like when they would slide their bikes, I understand that they're sliding on air and we've seen that in solo done really well. We've seen a good car chase in solo. I thought that was great. It just looked very clunky. Like the CGI itself looked very stiff. It did not look um, smooth going, and the and when you when you shoot stuff like that, it's supposed to have um, the drivers are supposed to like feel like they're not in control. But it's supposed to be like kind of like a dance when you're watching this, and this was very much like I was just studying the the CGI, and I just there was a lot of things that were really off about this whole scene for me, and it really kind of took out the moment of the chase everything after that is where this episode and this overall series picks up for me but i i really did like the car was fine i thought the car looked really good looked star wars Uh, there were some things that really took me out i i just i can't i can't deny that
2: that's all i'll say all the takes i thought we would get tonight that was not one of them
1: yeah but you know i can't argue with it i'm not saying you're wrong i'm just saying for me personally it was not bad enough that i noticed it right but i feel like every
0: episode's been the same thing it's like he drops someone into the pit and then he we see a monster and then he goes to the mayor's office and then the huts appear and they're like oh yeah we're not against you bro And then they, like, kind of go against him and they're like, oh, we're sorry, bro. Like, it's just felt a lot of the same beats in the last three episodes for me. And that's just what I'm noticing. And I want to love this. I am very excited for the future episodes, but I just can't help but feel like I'm going to the same three locations and nothing's really happening. I really loved episode two um, when it came to and, like, I thought it did not answer much in the future present story wise, but I really love the Tusken Raider aspect and the, the train sequence. I really liked episode two. It did not answer any of my questions, but it, it was very smooth. And I love that.
2: I think we are in a way kind of spoiled by the Mandalorian. Um, because season two was just so epic, but, Going back to the beginning of Mandalorian and really honestly, even in season two it it happened, there was a lot of building of the crew, you know, and the people that he could trust. Uh, you know, you had Grogu and then you had
0: uh But there Cara was a Dune, lesson to be learned. You... No 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 absolutely. I don't feel like I learned a lesson in this episode. No, no, no. I feel no, like no. I learned nothing. But I No, think... I
1: think I think we did with him with the little biker gang hood yeah. rats. And, and the way Major he approached that that, si- <laughs> that situation where he wasn't so much concerned about, okay, as the crime Lord, how do I double my profit? I'm going to make this one merchant happy. He was more concerned with the root of the problem is people have to steal water. How do I make it so that people don't have to steal water and benefit everyone? And I think that's what we learned in this episode. Fair enough.
0: I just, all right, I'm I'm clearly in the minority here. No, but I I I just I yeah.
2: I think I, that this is this is more so not because we're getting the same beats because I think like the slow build is is working fine. I think if anything, it's because we're stuck on Tatooine. I mm. think that makes it feel like not enough is happening to where you could you could get to that end. Like that's to me that would be my one complaint, which we knew going in pretty much that this was going to take place on Tatooine because what's what's the point of leaving? Like th- it doesn't really make sense at least for a good portion of it to leave Tatooine because he's rebuilding, you know, Jabba's empire and and that was centered in Tatooine and um but it does like The when the landscape doesn't change at all, it can kind of get exhausting when we're talking about, you know, basically we're at a full movie length now, um, at roughly like two hours and 10 minutes, I think, two hours and 20 minutes of screen time, all looking at a desert, you know, and that, and even on, you know, Tatooine's facade, you know, is all tan, all muted colors, and that can kind of get exhausting after a while um, that maybe that can make that feel that way uh, a little bit. So who knows, maybe we keep getting these hints of like, there used to be water on Tatooine and we had the, the tree from the vision. Yeah. Um I'm wondering if they're emphasizing that to emphasize how important water is for the society, because it's not, plentiful and it's not easily available or if they're hinting at there's something more on Tatooine because we get this vision and he goes from having this vision finds this tree that we assume isn't real but comes back with a branch from that tree and I don't know about you guys but I got some very like Lothwolf Lothal vibes going on there uh, that really were interesting to me
1: and I, I mean look, we, to be honest, I would also love that just to see something other than just these are interesting stories to come from the uh George Mann kind of like myth and fables type thing. Because that's really the last time I remember that we kind of heard anything about water on Tatooine.
2: Um yeah, I think I think it was mentioned God. Oh, no, it's mentioned in uh, – Zach, help me out here. What are those comics called that gave the, the origins of the Jedi?
0: Oh, I got the book. Hold on. Give me a second. Uh, not, uh, it's not the Old Republic. No,
2: it's like Dawn of the Jedi it's, is the uh, book. I got it
0: right here. Just give, that... me, give me five seconds. It's, oh, no.
1: I'm I almost positive it. in one of the George Mann kind of short story stuff, though. They, they talk about there being water on Tatooine. <laughs>
2: I'm there pretty maybe, sure you're right, but, maybe, but I think that it was first in the comics yeah, that were released it, by oh, It might have I even
1: been um, John Jackson Miller's Kenobi.
2: Yeah, yeah, I think.
1: But regardless, you're you're right. That actually kind of stuck out to me this morning at one point too. Just the, um, kind of constant mention of water, and then that they directly just threw in. Hey, it used to be surrounded by water. I don't think it's a very John Favreau-esque thing to just casually and, casually mention, yeah.
2: And you had the, the train from the Pikes just pouring out water. Yeah. You know, like, I think, at the very least, it's symbolic of the power discrepancy that exists on Tatooine slash anywhere where the crime syndicates are, right? Because the Pikes easily have water there. Uh, they have a fast train to get them across the deserts and mm. the the people who live there, the native people, the Tuscans, you know, are literally raking in the ground to try to find, uh, you know, water or whatever's in those, those black melons that they have. Um, it, it's definitely, there's definitely a power imbalance happening yeah. or, or being presented. And so, I could see like ah, uh, it's just that kind of uh, as a metaphor, but it feels, it, it feels, feels almost like feels the litter more. thing, you know, where it's like it's really heavy handed. Like you're mentioning the litter a lot. What's that about? Oh, it's foreshadowing the hut's coming. Well, it's Tales of the Jedi, by the way. Tales of the Jedi. Thank yeah. you. Um, and and that actually, I think is the the first mention of um water on Tatooine or or Tatooine being a water planet that then gets destroyed by war. But um, that's something that just really stood out to me. Like you guys know, I look for all kinds of like the, the symbolism and the metaphor and everything like that. So sometimes I can get a little bit too flexible with my ideas. I, but <laughs> the three things that have just really stood out to me. One is the monsters thing that I mentioned earlier, that there always seems to be a worse monster uh or the monster is a misdirect. Uh two is the water and just the continual mention of the water and then three is just these hints that maybe I'm I'm confirming bias here but it seems like they're pointing towards a connection to solo.
0: Yeah, I mean I think that's hard to argue. I mean it, it I mean it's it's gangs. I mean it it could happen and I honestly I I think it's really great that you're looking for that, and I wish that I was. I'm simply, I'm not drawn you in enough yet. You seem very
1: disillusioned, Zach.
0: Yeah, I, I want like I I want to feel that kind of passion because like definitely right now with the High Republic, uh, where I'm at, gears are just spinning like always. I'm constantly thinking about what is happening. I'm looking for inner things like I I'm looking at um, why is. These relationships with so and so and so on different with than uh, what happened over in the prequels. Like I'm constantly spinning and looking at deep, like even psychosis of characters and who they are. And with this show, I'm 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 very thankful to have you as co-host, Brandon, because I'm struggling to look for that deeper meaning. And I love shows like this remove star wars aside sons of anarchy is my like top three favorite tv shows of all time i watch have recently watched uh, a really good show jeremy renner stars in and it's not hawkeye mayor of kingstown yeah, yeah that's good
1: absolutely really, dude, dude it so is so good not it too right
0: it is so good and you have the first season completely done now as of sunday so you're totally good and I guess I was looking if we were going to do like a deep dive into the gangs and the stuff like that. I kind of thought that we would. I, I, I figured that we would be a little deeper in it, deeper entrenched in it than we are so far. That being said. It's shot like a Western. It's probably going to have a huge thing at the end or, you know, start really moving, but it's just with all the other shows that I've that are very gang oriented the movement has been quick like very quick so i guess i'm like i guess maybe i am cross streaming what i'm expecting like i'm expecting like a sons of anarchy underworld anarchy gang style thing but it's like a western so it's not really that way i don't know maybe i'm just confused myself
1: i i mean i've been saying this from the beginning because one of the things i was excited for for this show was thinking we are getting like a an italian style mob boss movie you know or or show and that's why i like the present day stuff because i think that's where it's at and i like the flashbacks because i still like that western so I'm sticking with my kind of original assessment of it feels right now like two very incomplete shows, but I trust the showrunners enough that it's going to come together for a very big payoff where what I'd expect to happen is we see, I, I told you guys both this after the first episode aired, I don't think it was the greatest pilot of all time. But I think it was setting up for something good. I think that's going to even be my conclusion by the end of season one where we look back and say, you know what? It Wasn't the best first season of a TV show ever, but it's set up for something good.
0: I agree with everything you're saying. I'm just getting a little bit more. I guess I'm being a little bit more of a negative Nancy, but you know what? I've been positive. No, but you
1: wait, know wait. you you should be though too because in reality we are halfway through and like we said we are a movie length into this show and I think more should have happened by now.
2: And I think part of like part of the problem, and I'm using the word problem very loosely, is the Mandalorian because that has hit so hard on just about every episode, but. It also started out in a way that we really didn't expect, and I remember first three episodes of Mandalorian people complaining that it was it was too episodic, it was too uh, contained within each episode. And oh, he has this problem, and then he solves it. Nope, he has this problem, and then he solves it. So, and then obviously like the Dave Filoni way of storytelling, and and John Favreau uh does this similarly is uh, we're going to give you all these things that don't seem like they really matter and are really that important at the beginning and then the Melu run and the tie fighter and the stormtrooper helmet are all going to come back and help save the day at the end of the, of, of the season so maybe just because i spend so much time being a big fan of animation and stuff uh in that kind of sphere of Dave Filoni's storytelling style that I know, even though Favreau's leading this and there's a lot of the directors that are doing different things, like, as far as the Star Wars side of things, Filoni is is guiding that that lore train, um, that maybe I'm a little bit more patient for it, but I will give you, it's a, it's a lot slower moving than I expected it to be, Uh, If I was going to give it a like major critique, I would say I don't rush back to watch these episodes like I do with Mandalorian. Like with Mandalorian, I watch it in the morning and I cannot wait to get home to watch it again that night. And like today, driving back from work, I was like, oh, what am I going to watch after we record the show? And I was like, there's a new episode of Book of Boba Fett that I need to watch again. Like I could watch that, but I completely went through like, all these different ideas before I got back there. And so I'm definitely not as hooked as I could be. Um, but I do think, you know, like we've kind of been saying, there's a lot lying underneath the surface and they're giving us those hints. Like they're giving us the hints of a deeper story. Blink bringing in a black chrysanthemum. Like that's freaking crazy. like,
1: yeah, there's there's a lot of positive things. I think that was certainly one of them. And I think that they're using him really, really well. I think it's a risky move to bring in Black Kristansky. I'm never going to say that name correctly. Um, but I think it was a risky move bringing that character in. But they're using him effectively, both for the terms of the story that is taking place now. And I think that the story that they're setting up, in it, once again, in terms of what does Boba Fett want, he wants respect, and he's going to do the right things to get it. So when you have them saying, hey, yeah, this this guy tried to kill you, you can go ahead, sell him back, sell him as a gladiator, sell him as a fighter, and he still has enough awareness to say, that's not going to make me a good, good leader, and that's not going to earn people's respect, I'm not going to do that. I think that's a really powerful way to tell that story.
2: Yeah. I mean, that's the way that you get respect is to show that it's, it's not about ego. It's not about, uh, honestly, it's not about proving a point and, in not proving a point. You prove a point, you know, like he's not doing it to show like Jabba did that. He's powerful. Like, Look at Leia, for example, right? Jabba doesn't have Leia up there because, you know, he is planning on, like, you know, doing anything with Leia in the bikini. Like, it's a power move. Like, he's putting her there in skimpy clothes, chained up, because she's a leader of the rebellion, and it makes the point that he's more powerful than she is, right? It's a purely a power move, and Boba's not doing that. You know, like he's he's getting his message across. He's making his point clearly, but he's not doing it in a way that is egotistical or chauvinistic or anything of that nature. It's just this is what I expect. So I'm going to make my statement clearly about what I expect, and then I'm going to model what I expect. And you're not going to cross that line. If you cross that line, we're going to have a problem. But if you stay on the right side of that line, we're fine. Whereas Jabba would move the line depending on what he wanted out of it. So it's a, it, it's a interesting look at the different ways that I guess crime families can, can run, right. Cause you can have the, the ones that are more, uh, you know, like loose and they kind of don't have any rules and it's a little more wild West. And then you can have the, the mob bosses that are, you know, more about their code and things like that. And so I think, we're going to, as we get more of these elements of, of these other syndicates, and I think the end of episode three points us to a syndicate war that we've been talking about for a while. Since, uh, again, I'm going to bring up Solo, but um, I think we're going to see like the different ways those syndicates run things, and it's going to be kind of like bringing in Ahsoka and bringing in Bo Katan and bringing in all these characters' challenges. Uh, the Mandalorian and his perception of what his mission is with Grogu I think we're going to have the same thing here with Boba Fett in some way of him having to really figure out not just what his point is what like not just what he means by ruling with respect but how he's actually going to execute that and the purpose behind it and that's my biggest question for everything is just why is he doing any of this stuff Yeah and I yeah
1: um I mean it's a big question. I think we're I I just hope that I they think... get to it sooner rather than later cuz I don't want this to just be you know the okay look this was just to kind of fill that void until the next season of Mandalorian and this was just you know a fun little side project for people. Yeah. I, I hope that they kind of get to the point of just that sooner rather than later.
0: Yeah. And it's, it's John Favreau. So I think, I think right now that I think right now I, I, I obviously, I trust this man with everything star Wars related. He's doing a lot of cool things. Even in these episodes, there's very cool little concepts that are very nerdy. And that it's, it's like something you would talk about on a playground with your friends. It's um, it's, a, it's a very good concept, and so I, I have high trust for him. I mean, Mandalorian, the end of Mandalorian Season 2 is still probably, at this point, top three favorite Star Wars moments of all time. I think as a Star Wars fan, mm-hmm. as an adult, I've never been more rewarded than seeing Luke Skywalker show up the way he did. Yeah. So I have so much trust trust in him. I know this is going to work out. I will say that while I do have faith in him, and I, I think like based on Robert Rod- Rodriguez getting the script from John Favreau for that uh, Mandalorian episode, I think he knows how to direct his ass off with Boba Fett. I think if there were any character for Robert Rodriguez to do, it would be him. I think he understands the character. He knows the character. I think the right people are behind the lens on the right thing. I think the right people are writing this. I need episode four to be that turning point where I eat my yeah. words and completely disregard everything I say on this episode.
1: Can I just say though, first and foremost, I love that the married man here is like the most rewarded I've ever been in my life. <laughs>
0: <laughs> no, I meant as a star Wars fan, as a star Wars fan, uh-huh. the most save, rewarded save, I've ever save. been.
2: Roll that save. back. Roll that back. Um, Your wife you, isn't
0: listening. You're fine. I mean, well, it, it's like, it's like, uh, <laughs> It's like uh, even though I think the Luke Skywalker's top three most rewarded I've ever felt as a Star Wars fan, uh, you know I think Spider-Man No Way Home is the most rewarded I've ever felt as a movie fan or as a comic book fan. The entire movie, all of it, you know. It's um, yeah, I like to compartmentalize. so.
2: So speaking of like deep cuts and stuff you guys played uh Kasi growing up, right? I
1: did not. I don't not even know. know what that is. The PlayStation I know what it game, is. I the Mortal Kombat
2: style uh Star Wars isn't, fighting game?
1: Yeah, that's the one that they mention in Solo, in Solo. and it's like, yeah, I learned how to fight this way.
2: So, there's a character in there that and and I could be wrong on this, but I think she was created solely for the game. So you have you have your main characters. You have your Lucan and Leia. Um, you have a Gamorian, um and a Tuscan. and I'm not going to say their names on the episode because I want you to actually go to YouTube and listen to the way that they say those names because it's very inappropriate. Then there is... Arden Lynn who is a character that was created as far as I know just for that game she looks almost identical to the main uh, biker chick that we got I with see the that me- I'm looking arm. at the pictures right now the only real like the only notable difference is the mechanical arm being on the other side so me being me I went down a rabbit hole um, to see if Uh-oh. this could possibly be Arden Lynn. In the scripts, she's referred to as Drash. Um, and the casting call, th- this comes from uh, the Bestman Bulletin, says the casting call specifically asked for British female, which. Uh, Thatcher's the actor is aged between 18 and 24. She's 21. Uh, to play the character of Drash, Drash uh, was described as cool, self assured, a defier of authority, and in need of refinement. Um, and that, I mean, self assured, cool, defier of authority, like that kind of fits her character in the game because um, they kind of, you know, have certain fighting styles and stuff. And she's very laissez fair and, and, I don't know man I'm I feel like the name in the script was a misdirect and I feel like this could be Arden Lynn and that could point us to Teres Kasi which of course you know you mentioned Teras Kasi now everybody goes back to oh yeah that was mentioned in Solo by Kira who was trained in Teres Kasi okay I'm going to put my tinfoil hat off to the side now I mean, and there we can are still get into this those conversation.
0: rumors going around that, you know, Harrison Ford did some uh, shooting for Book of Boba Fett. There is rumors. So I don't know. That might tie in. We'll say. We'll say.
2: I'm I'm excited for it. I'm not enjoying this show as much as Mandalorian. I'm not enjoying it as much as even the bad bat. You get it. You hate it. Okay. <laughs> I'm just Fair. kidding.
0: I'm just I'm just kidding.
2: But I do no, think I, I do think it's a it's a solid series and I really think the sixth and seventh episodes when we do you know that one we're just gonna be like Hey, everything we said on here about it was gonna be a slow burn and we were gonna look back on these first three episodes and it was gonna we have a whole different perspective on it is gonna be a hundred percent true.
0: And again, guys, that is what I, to our listeners, that is what I would say the best thing about listening to Clashing Sabers podcast feed is uh, the, the fact that in this episode alone, we have three different perspectives that are totally across the board and, you know, wherever you, our listeners fall in, I, I think it's fun. We're all having a good conversation. You guys are listening and um, hearing our points of view and kind of weighing yours. Maybe you feel I'm wrong. Maybe you feel I'm right. Maybe you agree with Brandon more. Maybe you agree with Lindsay. But at the end of the day, I think talking about Star Wars is the reason we all, I mean, we all we all watch Star Wars for enjoyment, for um, the epic fantasy of it all, or even the lived-in world. But I think it's so much fun to sit around and just talk about these different things and the different things that we pick up on or don't pick on, pick up on or like, or don't like. Anyway, thank you guys for listening to this episode of Sith talk. You can find Sith talk under the clashing sabers podcast feed. Brandon, where can they find anything else considering clashing
2: sabers? Uh, has all our links and where you can nominate a teacher, uh, to receive books from our fundraiser, uh, if you want to participate in the fundraiser, links will be in the show notes, um, but that's com slash Revenge of the Reader, and you have until January 17th to get those uh, donations in to be entered to win the prizes, uh, and then just follow our social feeds. We have a Facebook group, Star Wars Clashing Sabers, uh, that we're continuing these conversations on there, and people are sharing uh, their Artwork and their podcast and uh, different things like that. So go over there uh, and then just at Clashing Sabers on all the other stuff. Lindsay, where can they find you?
1: Best place to find me would really be in the Facebook group. Um, Like we said, we we always get a lot of awesome content there. Um, So if you ever want to yell at me or violently agree with me on anything you heard here, you can go to the Facebook group and just tag me there.
0: as always guys uh you can follow me at sith talker 25 talking all things star wars comic books working out barbecue we're officially in year we're past year one of barbecue so you can definitely check out some more i'm definitely going to be moving into more korean style barbecue not that you guys care because you're here Mm -hmm. for star wars but i'm just letting you know um that's where you can find me as always again like Lindsay said Check out our Facebook group. I think it's so awesome, the multiple opinions that we get on this show. It's so intriguing every week. Having to listen to so many different opinions that have so many valid points. And for those of you guys listening out there, if if you have a comment that you want to say or a question about this show or about the topics or conversations across the board of all the shows, definitely follow our Facebook page and talk to us there. That will be this episode of Sith Talk. And until next time, guys, may the Force be with you.
2: And also with you. Hey, looks like you're done talking Sith. Who? Oh, Sion, the bartender. Yeah, he's gone down a couple levels. You're going to venture down there? Well, there's a few things you should know before you go. Sith Talk, all the Clashing Sabers Network, they ain't associated with Disney, Lucasfilm, or any of their subsidiaries. All these licensed sounds and whatnot all belong to whoever the hell they belong to. We just use them here for entertainment and educational purposes. Look, if you're unsure about something or have questions about what's what, email us at clashingsabersnetwork at gmail.com. And hey, on your way out, make sure you leave us a rating and review. Word of mouth is how people find out
1: about this place. Now, get out of the way. I got paying customers to get you. Jedi business. Go back to your drinks.